You know, for thousands of years, uh, God's people have been coming together to praise him, sing, pray, and tell stories. Tell stories of how he's worked in their lives. In fact, big chunks of the Bible are stories about how God worked. Um, And so today we get to do something uh, that the church, uh, God's people have been doing thousands of years. is to hear some stories of how God is alive. He's not dead. He's still working in this world today. Uh, And so we have uh, three people from our church family uh, who have kindly offered to share some of their stories. Uh, So Bruce and Jan will welcome you to come up. Uh, So we're going to hear stories from Mason, Michigan. Uh, We're also going to hear stories from northern Nigeria. So after Bruce and Jan uh, share some of their stories of God's work in their life, um, so thankful that Yukubu is able to share with us as well. Um, So... um, in, in some of the churches I've been to, uh, it's common that we, ha- we are a little interactive and we chit-chat and talk during service. So I want you to ask your neighbor right now, are you ready to hear a good God story? Okay, so just ask your neighbor right now. I'm warming them up for you. <laughs> All right, so welcome Bruce and Jan. Thanks so much for sharing. Uh, Bruce is going to do most of the sharing today, but I will share a moment. Uh, I come from a long line of Christians. Um, My grandparents on both sides really worked full-time with their faith for the Lord. My mom's parents were lifelong missionaries in India. And my dad's parents worked in out east in Connecticut with the rescue mission. Um, And... My dad, when he was young, he said, oh, the one thing I'm not going to do is go into ministry. He loved sports, and he wanted to be, he was not a tall man, but he wanted to be a basketball player. I don't think they were as tall as tall as they are today. He was a guard. Um, uh, and But when he went to college and then seminary in Asbury, it's a, it's a college in Kentucky, he felt the Lord call him, and um, my mom had come back from India at, at 16, first time in the States, and she um, went to the same college, and they got married, and they became, my dad originally as a single man went, felt called and went and was a missionary in China, in the Chengdu province. Uh, Sichuan province in the city of Chengdu Um, and so I guess the thing for me is just God's faithfulness through through history I became a Christian at 8 and there was a time when it was like my dad then when he came back from the states was a minister Um, and I just knew the Lord because my parents were faithful in, in in what they did and praying. And now we, granted, our family's not perfect. God cared for us through it all. I have we have three children and who were thankful, love the Lord. And so I guess for those of you who are maybe first generation Christians, just you can be the the first people to be praying and keep your keep people coming. So I just thank the Lord for his faithfulness to our family. 
Good morning, church family. Um, so I want to give a testimony. I want to uh, testify. I want to tell about what I know is true. And over the last four years, to the extent that you uh, have known me, I've had all of a series of medical issues that uh, mostly deal with either a degenerating vertebrae in my back, uh, the discs are fine, but the vertebrae are not holding up, uh, or uh, a nerve issue that's as a result of that, and then a healthy uh, serving of osteoarthritis. So uh, over the last four years, it has just been nonstop doctor visits, uh, rhizotomies where they, they put a needle in your back and burn off a nerve, and uh, bone marrow samples, all sorts of things. In fact, I, I just don't think the medical profession knows how to do anything with a needle shorter than three inches. It doesn't matter <laughs> what it is, you're going to get this needle. Um, and so it's just been just nonstop uh, 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 medical stuff and a lot of pain. Uh, because there's no cartilage, was no cartilage left in the left hip. Uh, the uh, vertebrae that are uh, collapsing or pinching nerves, and they've got to go in and dig stuff out. Um, just a lot of uh, discomfort. And then this uh, spring, uh, so I've had this uh, left hip problem coming, and this spring it just went to pieces. It just fell apart, and uh, I got to a point where I just could not. I couldn't sit, I couldn't stand. If I laid in bed, then my lower back problem kicked in and that hurt. So it wasn't like I could veg out at the computer or the TV. There was just no way to get comfortable. So I finally got in to see a doctor, but so did everybody else after COVID. So I had to wait six months to get a surgery. And towards the end of that time, I caught COVID. So that threw in another, I think, uh, eight or nine weeks that I had to wait. And it just seemed like it was never, ever going to end. And I was discouraged at times, very, very discouraged. It's just an intense, tense amount of, of, of pain. Uh, and so I'm going to leave the story there for right now, and I will come back to it. And I want to look at uh, Psalm 77. Uh, Psalm 77 starts, uh, really a series of psalms, starting uh, with 73, known as the third book of the psalms. And it's not totally clear what the context is, but evidently the nation is going through an intense amount of persecution and suffering. Psalm 73 talks about uh, envying the wicked, uh, kind of personal... uh, uh, struggles he had by seeing that all the evildoers were getting ahead. Uh, Psalm 74 is asking, why have you rejected us, God? Where are you? Isn't this your nation, your people? Why are we being so uh, poorly treated and defeated? Uh, Psalm 75 looks at uh, the kind of judgment and wrath that God is pouring out. Again, probably a very terrible time in the life of Israel. Psalm 76 uh, looks at um, the kind of uh, uh, decisions and judgment and really the holiness of God that he's going to bring on these other actions. Then we get to Psalm 77, which is where I, I want to look. I'm only going to look at uh, a few, what I think the highlights are. I could certainly say so much more than what I want to say this morning about Psalm 77. But whatever the context is, 
the psalmist really seems to be in a lot of personal distress, uh, whether it's political foes, whether it's his health, whatever it is, he seems to be really disturbed by what's going on. And I, I divide the, the psalm up just arbitrarily, really, into kind of three sections. The first being uh, one through nine, which uh, the psalmist is stating a problem. The next section, 10 through 12, he's offering a remedy, a solution to the problem. And then the third section, 13 through 20, uh, he's applying the application. He's showing us how to use the remedy that God has given to him. So we'll just work our way through here. We'll, uh, we'll read them in sections, and I'll then want to offer some comments. So one through nine. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days of the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart and my spirit asked, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? So clearly the psalmist knows God and has had some very personal, intimate uh, experiences with God. He remembers the songs in the night, and now he's in this time of hardship, and he's going back to those experiences. They have blessed him, God has blessed him in the past, has upheld him, and so he is doing what he knows how to do. He's taking his situation to God, and he's imploring God for help. Um, he remembers his times uh, in the night, how sweet it was. Uh, And as he's going through this, uh, it's his personal experience that he's relying on, the trustworthiness of God that's dealt and answered him in the past. And so he's relying on this personal experience, and as he goes down this road, um, he gets to a really dark place. Uh, Because his present circumstances are so different than where he was, he ends up concluding his, the Lord rejected, will he never show uh, favor again? Has his love failed? Has his promises failed for all time? Has he forgotten to be merciful? So he starts from a place of experience with God and he moves to this place of doubting God and he's now really in despair. So then let's look at uh, what he offers as a remedy. And I think he kind of stumbles into this. You know, as he's talking to himself, he's picking himself up. He says, then I thought, this is 10 through 12, then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all of your mighty deeds. See, he's moving from a place of his personal experience and his personal experience 
the exposure and focus. And he's moving into God's story. It's no longer his story, it's God's story. So instead of considering his times of sweet fellowship with the Lord, he's looking at God's uh, display in the world where he's acted in the past. Those are now becomes his story. And he goes on to apply this. He says, uh, and he gives us these samples in 13 through 20. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeem your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you. The waters saw you and withered. The very deeps were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world, and the earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters. Though your footprints were not seen, you led people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. You see, he is recognizing now something much greater than himself in his story. He is now entering into God's story of redemption, starting with creation, deliverance of Israel from Egypt. And those Old Testament stories are also our stories. I mean, it's wild olive branches grafted in uh, to the vine of Christ. That's, that's our testimony. That's our heritage where God has done this kind of deliverance and will continue to do this deliverance. And his eyes change. He's now focusing on where he has seen God act in the past. It's not something he necessarily experienced himself, but he is entering into the scriptures and focusing on what God has done for his people as a sign and an example and an assurance of what God is going to do for him. Um, as he as he moves through this, he then is really moving uh, to an area of more certainty. I don't think his problems went away. I think the, the injury and the assault was probably there. As you look at some of the later Psalms, he still has to deal with this. But there's a confidence that he has. Not in him, not in his situation, not in his experience. But he has a confidence in who God is and what God has done. Now, back to my story. Uh, sometime early in... Uh, the spring, I got a pair of you know, like work earbuds so that I could answer the phone and not take the phone out of my pocket and stuff like that. Uh, and they're pretty slick; they worked out really well. And I got to a point where, uh, when all of this was falling apart, I just I couldn't get comfortable anywhere. I'd be awake for hours, and I, I started listening to uh, my favorite version of an NIV that's an audio Bible. And I would just and I slowed it down so instead of a regular speed I went to something like 0.8 and I just for hours I mean it's just amazing to go through all of Corinthians in one setting and you get just such a feel of what's really going on and Paul's love for these people and all of the misbehaving and bad behavior that went on in the church um, and I realized what I'm doing when when that happened, it's not that my pain went away or my discomfort went away, but I'm, I'm entering into God's story. His story is becoming the focus in my life. And it puts everything into perspective. 
what looks to be so bad, eh, isn't that bad? And when you think about what the horizon is, so we look at the Old Testament, I mean, God in creation in the first three chapters of Genesis, I mean, what a marvelous testimony to creator God who out of nothing brings forth all of this world. Deliverance of Noah and his family, Egypt, uh, the uh, chosen people out of the land of Egypt. And how much more glorious when we get to the New Testament? I mean, the risen lamb sitting on the throne. That is your story. That's my story. So it was really, <clears throat> it was really uplifting to, um, to have that kind of long experience. I, somewhere, I, I couldn't find it, but I had seen a, a word study one time on the word meditate. And it actually comes from the Hebrew root word to chew or to gnaw. And the idea is that this isn't a meal you're just, you know, scooping down, but, you know, you've got a piece of tough meat and you're working it. And you're just, you're working these verses over in your mind. You're just, they're with you all day and you're thinking about it. And it takes us from where we are and brings us into a new story and a new relationship. And he blessed me greatly. (laughs) Thank you. Praise the Lord Church. Good morning. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank you for giving me this uh, privilege to share to you what God has done in my life uh, as a Christian and uh, while growing up. Uh, I was born in Nigeria. I was also raised in Nigeria. But uh, I grew up uh, in the northern part of Nigeria, specifically the northwest, which is considered the stronghold of uh, Islam. So while I was growing, of course, uh, we are Christians, but we are considered the minority. We are the minority there, and uh, although we speak the same language, we came from the same background but uh, if you are a Christian in that region you are considered an infidel so we went through hell we were persecuted in every area of our lives going to school was, uh, was not something interesting for us We will go to school, we will be persecuted, we will be shamed because of Christ from our, you know, colleagues, from our teachers, even those that we, you know, see as our role models. But unfortunately, because of Christ, we were, you know, we were, we were seen as uh, a kind of... um, Disgusting. So, it was hell. But, uh, thank God for Christ. Each time we go through that, we, uh, we keep waxing, you know, stronger even the more. And, uh, you'll be surprised. So, uh, it got to a point where, in fact, in the north, 
northern part of Nigeria, I don't know whether if you've heard the story, there is this religious crisis all the time. And wherever, whenever there is this religion crisis, we were the next target. Even if it is in not, uh, even if the crisis is not in Nigeria, but we will be the next people, that's the Christians, that you know our fellow brothers will you know pounce on. They see us as threats. When you go to school, uh, even if you maybe don't understand something or a particular topic, and you eventually want to ask your teacher. The teacher will tell you to keep quiet. You are an infidel. In fact, you are not allowed, you know, to talk. And Nigeria is not a religious country. Nigeria is a secular country, but unfortunately, in the north, it's not so. So, uh, even places of worship, we are not allowed to have, you know, our churches within or around the community because we are considered infidels we were given the outskirts you know of the town to go and maybe build our churches and then do whatever we want to do there so going to church from my area is some miles away it's not something that you can just maybe walk and then go to a place of worship it wasn't so. But in other part of the country, there is this liberty of uh, you know, religion, particularly Christianity in the south part of the country. So it was hell in the north for us growing. Thank God I have uh, a wonderful parent. I have a wonderful mom who she will always encourage us to not bother and not worry. Each time we got back home and everybody share his experience, we just you know joke about about it and then laugh, and then she would encourage us. She made us to believe in God. She made us to know that going to church on Sundays is not an option; it's a must. You must go to church. You must make sure you are never in church, even if. You will give excuse. Your excuse will not be hard except, except when you are very sick. It is at that point that maybe you'll be excused and be left alone at home. But you don't have option. On Sundays, she will be the first person to go to church and then she will maybe sit at the back, at the entrance, and she'll be seeing everybody. We attend. From her, she gave birth to us, ten of us. She would sit at the back of the church or the entrance of the church or exit and she would make sure all of the ten of us turn up to church. And then she would go back to her seats and then when we get back home, if eventually anybody was absent, she would find out what was the reason that you were absent. And if your reason wasn't genuine, you would be, of course, be beaten. So I want to encourage somebody this morning. I want to tell you that God is real. And I can assure you, even in the midst of persecution, you can still serve God faithfully. Thank you.